Hey everybody, I'm Cooch. And I'm Conan. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to our podcast, the LeaderCast podcast. I'm with my partner in crime, Dr. Jeff Conan. Today, we're going to talk about something that's kind of brand new, something that's interesting uh, to us both. And, and we want to start by saying we are not experts in this. And, and this is an idea that kind of just came across some of our emails and different, different searches that we've done. And, and it just struck a chord with us uh, because of what it is and how it relates to us personally. So, it's the idea of proximity bias. And just to be honest with you, I was doing a search for another project that I was working on for a lit review on um, a talk that I did for the Great Lakes Athletic Trainers Association's meeting not too long ago, their winter meeting, where we talked about cognitive diversity. And we had a, a great conversation uh, at that session. But in my preparation for that session, I came across this notion of proximity bias, and it absolutely uh, interested me a ton. I sent it to, to Jeff to look at it as well. So we've both been mulling this over in the back of our minds, again, not being experts on this, not knowing the ins and outs of all of the research, but just from a conceptual piece, proximity bias, as I understand it, is the idea that, that kind of in this post-COVID era that we're in now, we recognize that the world has, has changed dramatically. In fact, I've said before, you know, even the, the role that I have now at FIU is, was kind of even propagated in, in some part because of COVID and, and what happened and, and the transition to virtual teaching and me having to retool a, a completely different skill set on how to interact uh, with students in this new Zoom virtual world, so to speak. And, and, and that whole reality has changed the workforce, not just in athletic training, but workplace everywhere. And that we're seeing a dramatically higher percentage of employees working from remote locations and having to call into work or zoom in for meetings, or, or zoom in with client conversations. And even in healthcare, you know, telehealth is a completely new, uh, it's not new thing, but it's a thing that's growing in popularity big time. And now we're doing televisits and tele-evaluations. And, and what was interesting for me a couple of years ago is when I was teaching an orthopedic class, uh, during COVID, I had to, students called into my house and I set up a camera in my living room and I'm doing the, the, the exams and demonstrating the, the Lachman exam and whatever injury we were working on or whatever um, evaluation technique we were working on. My wife was the model in the class instead of another student. And, and they're watching me on video demonstrating. And I'm asking them to go find someone in your house, a sibling, a brother, a parent, somebody who you can practice this on, you know, kind of a thing. And that that's really what's behind this proximity bias, because when that reality becomes the new reality or the norm, which it has been, and it's now staying that way, there's this new kind of bias that comes in and it's called proximity bias. In other words, there is a preference being given or some, some aspect of privilege being given to the group or team that's together face-to-face -face versus the people who are outside looking in. And, and this is something that, that Jeff and I are, are kind of interested in uh, because we both are remote workers at the university that we teach at. You know, we teach in the, uh, the DAT program at Florida International University. Jeff lives in Tampa, which is uh, three hours or, or away or so, depending on the traffic. And I live in Perrysburg, Ohio, which is about 22 hours away. 
And um, so it's not, so we are calling in for these meetings. We're scheduling our meetings with our department chairs, our department chair remotely and things like that. And it's creating something that I never experienced before. Having been 20 years in higher ed now, more than 20 years, I've always been at the department meeting. I was always asked face-to-face what I thought about this. And then I could follow up with what I thought in a hallway conversation or a follow-up conversation kind of off the record. But in this new world, there's no off the record meetings because everything's recorded. It's virtual. It's online. And then when you're done, you're done. And that's really changing even how I feel that I can influence uh, how I feel my ideas are being valued. And, uh, and it was really interesting for me. So I don't know in your thoughts about that, Jeff, what are you, what, where, where are you at with all that? I think it's a trade-off. It's an interesting trade-off because I've also talked to a lot of people who said, you know, you can't do all of your job remote for many athletic trainers, but the ones who have shifted to some remote portion of this have literally almost to a person said, I'm so much more productive. I don't have this many minutes or hours of a commute. I don't have a lot of downtime that I'm just wasting just to waste to be there. And I'm very productive. And I also have, you know, however you define it, I have a better balance in my life. But what you bring up is that trade-off piece. The trade-off is when you had that so-called downtime, it was because you were interacting usually informally with other people. You and I have always joked about, you know, this, this water cooler conversation or gossip. I don't even know if there's a water cooler in the office places anymore because I haven't been there in so, so long of a time to, to just stand around and chat around some corner in a building. I, I know it still happens, but... How do you, though, how do you make up for that, right? So you and I are both many, many hours away, but the employment setting, that's our home, is in Miami. Right. How do we interact with, you know, how do we become interprofessional educators and and work with others uh, just to develop those relationships that are, they're critically important, you know, especially if you're a if you're a younger staff member or a younger faculty member, and when you're looking to grow and be promoted, and, and you, you really want others around you to all go to bat for you and advocate for you and say, yeah, this person's a great employee, great coworker, they're competent, they're interpersonal, et cetera. But you're not getting that. You're getting it in a virtual world. And so how do you do, how do you make up for this, Matt? How do, what do we do? Like, what do we do to make this program succeed? And be just like everyone else who's physically on campus. Yeah, that's a that's a real question and a real issue. I mean, it's this idea that the standards. You know, we'll get to some solutions here as I'm mulling over some. But it, you, I want to still emphasize this idea of the fact that certain employees are being held to different standards. You mentioned interprofessional practice, interprofessional education, which is huge. You know, and, and a lot of the faculty who are in this role and even clinicians who are in these roles, they work interprofessionally with other team, with other healthcare providers. But if they're not there physically, it makes it harder. Right. I mean, it really does. And that that's what proximity bias is. It's I we have employee we have not employees. We have um, colleagues who are physically at the university who get to interact with the athletes, the coaches, the students in a way that we don't get to. And yet we're still being evaluated on the same thing. You know, the big irony for me is the, the peer review and instru- the peer review of instruction, right. And, and student evaluations of instruction and all that. And, and how 
online faculty have the same document, the same rubric, the same standards as face to face, you know, as faculty. And that's proximity bias. That's there's there's the same standards for different expectations. And that's that's a real, real issue. And, you know, for me, I know that now my personality type is partly responsible for this. But you talked about the work life balance thing. And and life work, should be life work, life inter- work interaction, right? Or I mean, uh, integration, which is which is a huge thing, and that'll be another podcast we'll talk about here shortly. This idea is for me in particular. My personality is is my wife has commented so many times since I'm now working in this setting. I'm working way more than I ever did before, and so I I thought that was interesting. I actually went and looked at the literature, the research that's been done since 2000 on this remote thing. And lo and behold, it's a, it's, it's endemic across the board. Most remote employees are reporting working more than they did before, but they're also reporting greater life satisfaction score. So it's that trade-off you were mentioning a minute ago. That's real. That's, that's a real phenomenon that's being observed right now. Is you know the fact been, that, go ahead. Well, what's interesting is that we have a fair amount of athletic trainers who we know work extraordinary hours. And some argue that they're just in the athletic training room waiting for you know a long period of time. But those long hours actually give them proximity bias. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're there. They're hearing everything. They're seeing everything. They're meeting everybody. Yeah. That's 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 an interesting point too, because that, that's the other side of that. And And this time, you know, athletic trainers have never been, you know, when I was practicing clinically, there was no off time either. You know, you were always on call. And like you said, you were open from sunup to sundown kind of thing. And, and, and you just had to wait around. And, and while that has changed, and I think that's really evolving, it's a new kind of no time off anymore. I'll, I'll leave to do something, but then I'll come back and I'm at my computer doing lesson plans, creating lectures, different things that till late into the night, you know, and my wife is like, aren't you going to be done? He's like, well, I I don't need to be done. The kids are gone and and it's creating this different world and it's, and it's difficult and, and we are working more hours, but we do have more freedom at the same time. And, And this proximity piece is a big part of that and something that I think is really, really interesting because from a manager's perspective or a department chair's perspective, how are you, go back to the question you were asking, how are you fixing that? How are you solving that? What are some recommendations that maybe we can suggest for our listeners to help them overcome the proximity bias? Well, one that comes to my mind is something that I try to do is, well, reach out and be engaged in possible as much as possible. So this idea of, you know, I used to have a rule that, well, I don't give my cell phone number to certain people or don't text me after this, or, you know what, there's boundary, and this bleeds very much into the the, the work-life integration, the boundaries conversation, that's, which is critically important. But also, if I want to have these candid conversations, these, these hallway moments, I have to do things that allow for that. So maybe it's, maybe it's, and I don't know, again, like I said, we're not experts and we're just thinking out loud here, but at least for me, it's the, it's the, not every communication needs to be a professional formal communication. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the things I was taught too. So I, I spent a number of years as a director of sports medicine in a division one university. And um, 
I learned that if I wasn't at the table regularly, meaning with all my peers on frequent meetings, then the only time I saw my supervisor was when my hands were out and I either needed something or I was in a crisis. And so it was, oh, here comes Jeff again. Now what does yeah. he need here? What's wrong? So what I learned was that that changes when I have more frequent interactions, when there isn't a crisis. And I would view it the same way and offer the same advice here, even though you're virtual and you don't have the proximity as you may have had in the past, figure out a way not to waste time, but to have productive sessions, calls, virtual meetings, whatever they might be with other individuals that keep you at the table. Otherwise, you're going to feel more distant as each day goes by. And I learned that that was critical. The other thing I learned about that was it kept me more abreast of just what was happening in all their worlds. So when I did need something, I, I had a better understanding of the timing of whether I should or shouldn't ask for that at that moment based upon what they were going through. Like, for example, you could have another person in a department, whether it's in a compliance area or an academic area, and their, their program or staff is going through an accreditation. Uh, that's not the time that I need to ask them for some additional work on their plate to help me out with something. So it, the knowledge and the awareness and the overall communication, not fake communication, not waste of time communication, but valuable, you know, you could call us another form of networking, quite frankly. Yeah, you know, it really you're is. You're handing out a business card, right? You already know these people, but, but you're keeping the, the relationships close, and, and you're still feeling a part of what's happening around you, absent the standard brick and mortar. Yeah. So, you know, just just so we can give some practical feedback for our listeners, you know, th this is a, this is a real thing. And, and whether or not you're you know, a lot of clinicians are face to face with their patients, but there's still a lot of the reality of this is out there. E even it might be our patients who are experiencing proximity bias now. And uh, just, just to help out with some ideas, I, I do have a few formal recommendations that come from uh, some of the, the literature and, and research on this topic. And it's from a manager's perspective, the first thing you want to do is you want to reach out to your employees who are remote and ask them, do they feel like they're part of the team? You know, I mean because they're going to answer differently depending on personality for some part, but then also this idea of, well, yeah, when I do call in or when we do communicate, I feel heard, you know, kind of thing. But if there's, if I'm always hearing rumors that, Oh, Hey, Jeff and so-and-so had a meeting without me, Jeff and so-and-so talked about this, Jeff. And then I'm going to start feeling left out, whether it's true or not, whether I should have been involved or not, whether it was my even part of my job responsibilities or not, I'm going to, create a story that may or may not be true. So with this being the reality that it is, I think it's really important that from a managerial leadership perspective, we reach out to our employees to make sure that they know and recognize this idea that we're aware of it. And then that's a real potential. So you want to reach out to them. Another recommendation that uh, has been mentioned is go through and make sure your employees and your team feel as if they are being heard. All right. And that's, that goes again, that falls to the onus of the leader to reach out and make sure that they are intentional about asking them, are you feeling heard? Go ahead. So I need to jump on. These are two great points and they're points that have changed 
over the last decade or two. So hear me out. Those of you who have been in this business for a long period of time, in the past, when you were the leader or the manager, it was the responsibility of every staff member, so-called say, to learn how you lead and to figure out how to fit in under your leadership. And we've evolved to a point now where it's critically important for the leader or the manager to understand how to include everybody else and how to make sure that they are succeeding. You should be able to do this in a leadership role. And if your answer is, I can't do it because I have way too many people on staff, you need to create a system within of delegation, which is a whole other skill set to talk about. How to delegate to make sure everybody has that input and you have that awareness of what Matt just talked about. Yeah, so I think that's critical too. And, and here's another thing that managers can do and, and leaders uh, in, in, of teams and, and departments, et cetera, is ask yourself and be really critical of your practices and, and your style of even how you organize meetings. Um, because mo- these, these are hybrid meetings. In other words, some of the people are there in front of your face and some of them aren't. Are you providing bottles of water and snacks for the people who are there, but for people who aren't there, they've got to get their own. You know, those are the, those are the things that people are complaining about. Oh, you mean you're supposed to, that's supposed to show up on my doorstep from Amazon before. So how do you do that? So, yeah. So it's a funny thing is, is I actually spoke at a conference not too long ago where that's exactly what they did because it was switched from a verse. You know, they have these swag bags. That's awesome. You know, they have these swag bags for the speakers and stuff because it's virtual. So I'll change. No, they had Amazon deliver the swag bag to every participant and they were asked on the box. It said, please do not open to X and X time, X, X date. So when, so we got these boxes and we all log into our zoom meeting together, this conference and it's okay. Now everybody opened their box. So we all opened it together like we would have when we're actually there. And you know, that might be cheesy and maybe it was cheesy, but, but that's what people are doing. Oh, because that's cool to feel like they belong and participate. So my question is from the manager standpoint, you're going to have team members who are there with you and team members who are remote. What are you doing to make sure those team members are connecting? Because what you're not aware of, and this is what really happens. I've been on a, a, a lot of departmental teams for a lot of years. We would have a faculty meeting and the faculty meeting would go great. And, you know, we loved our director and all this kind of thing. But then we still continued to talk afterwards. And the manager wasn't a part of that. What we're having now with these things is now there's no place for conversations outside of the manager's yeah. voice. The virtual window closes and everyone's gone. Right. right. So you have to allow for these opportunities for your, co- for your team members to connect without you. Hear yeah. me. And, That's and huge. You have. Yeah. I'm going to say it again. Connect <laughs> without you. It's going on anyways, and it's a control you never had in the first place. So don't try to keep it now because it's going to it decreases morale dramatically. You All can right, increase I'll, morale. Go ahead. You're dying to jump no, in. I'm dying to jump in here, and I'm going to add something to that. And and all of you listening. Now it's the time to stop everything else you're doing because we know you're multitasking while you listen to this podcast. When you're on those virtual meetings, turn your camera on. Okay. So when your camera's off and I'm leading a meeting, it is a red flag to me. It doesn't matter what I think. If you're not listening, if you're multitasking, if you're disinterested, it doesn't matter. If your camera's not on, 
you are disconnecting and you are part of the problem. Right. You deserve that bias or unbiased in this case. Turn your camera on. Okay, now you can go back and multitask while you listen to us. <laughs> that's exactly right, Jeff. I mean, that's that's a huge part of it. And so this idea of proximity bias. So we're out of time here, but you know, it's a real issue. It's something that is growing in concern in the workforce today. And, and I've said this before, you know, the reason why I know this, again, I was doing some research for another thing, but in my, in my side hustle, you know, I do a lot of work with, with HR businesses and it comes up then a lot as well. And I think it's a, it's a huge issue that's really growing and managers are really concerned about this. And, and I'm wondering with athletic training going the way it is, We've got virtual programs now. We've got hybrid learning. We've got interprofessional practice. We've got a much, much, much greater virtual hybrid kind of thing going. Again, like we said, telehealth and all these other things. We need to be ahead of the curve here. We need to watch for this as clinic directors, as program directors, as clinical education coordinators, head athletic trainers, whatever it is, even if your team, I mean, even if your team, uh, your, your athletic training, you're in a formal situation and your team's on a two week road trip. You know, I know hockey teams in particular go away for extended periods of time because, because of things like that. And our head athletic trainer sometimes would be gone for two weeks at a time because he was on an extended road trip. That could lead to proximity bias. What's going on at home during those two weeks? There needs to be very intentional efforts on our parts as clinicians, as athletic trainers, as educators, and whatever role we have to make sure that everybody here and there feel a part of the team. And that's an important leadership thing. Now, you said something that I love, and it's totally unrelated to today's topic, but you said side hustle. And we love our side hustles. So can those of you out there listening, if you want to hear us do a segment on side hustles, shoot us a note and let us know. And uh, we will struggle to limit that one to 20 minutes. But that's one of our favorite things that we talk about all the time. Yeah, that could be a series of podcasts on how to develop and promote your own side hustles to supplement your income. <laughs> yeah, that's the entrepreneurial mindset that I know about. <laughs> All right. Well, Coots and Conan are out. Mm-hmm.